Hello and welcome to the latest episode of CP Speaks. I am your host as ever, Adeo Luke, Adeo Farasin. Today, I'd like to talk about how God opposes the proud. In 1 Peter 5, verse 5, it says, In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders and all of you. Dress yourselves in humility as you relate to one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God and at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. And it's funny because there's so many times in which I've listened or read this scripture and I quoted it many times, but sometimes very often taken it for granted. You know, we always talk a lot as believers about how we are operating by grace. We see God's grace at work in our lives in different ways, but it started to teach me something, taking a moment to kind of break through and break it down quite slowly and just let it sit in my heart what it means when the bible said that god opposes the proud and gives grace to the humble and what one thing that i that sits with me and that i want to point out before i get into the depth of talking about how god opposes the proud is really sitting and looking at this scripture help me realize that there's a difference between mercy and grace you know so often we talk about the grace of god the bible says that the grace of god comes by faith to those who um, to those who believe through faith right that grace is freely given but it is freely given through faith and so is an essence of faith that means you must believe in god and to believe in god and believing in god in itself is evidenced by obedience to god and that is what has you getting and accessing the grace of God. And so when we are overcoming certain circumstances and situations, but our belief is compromised, then are we operating in grace? Or are we indeed actually operating in mercy? And so what I've learned is that sometimes we are in a place where we have been consistently disobedient or we haven't been operating or walking with God in a place of obedience or diligence, but we still get his favor and we still get his covering and he still stands by our side, but it's not grace. Grace only comes to those who believe. And so mercy is really just the covering of God while you are still in opposition to God, but the humble are on the same side as God. And so God remains who he is, remains merciful and does all things out of love, but you don't have his grace if you're in opposition with him. Another thing was to realize the power of the word opposes. You know, it's not one of those words that we look at with a huge level of aggressiveness or we see the power in it so often. And so sometimes we just glance over when the scripture says that God opposes the proud. But what God has really been saying is, I'm not a God who forsakes my very nature. My very nature is love. So if you bring me into a position of opposing you, then my opposition is out of love, but my opposition is still opposition. Right? And so when you are acting proud, it is not just some, it means you are very much, you have unseated me from my throne. And if you unseat God from his throne, you must therefore be in his opposition because you are sitting in a chair that rightfully belongs to him. And so now you have brought yourself into opposition with God and you don't realize because to you, we have underestimated the way God thinks and the way God works. And we think we can take advantage of the nature of God. And it's impossible to take advantage of the, of the nature of God because God is all wise and knows all things and knows more than you, right? And so 
you've put yourself in opposition to God and you don't realize it. And so you go, you cry to God, you call out to God, you wonder why things aren't changing. Or you cry out to God and you blame the devil. You say the devil has done this or the devil has done that. But really it is you who has now entered the position of opposition with God and your trials and your circumstances and your woes and your battles they're not a result of the devil attacking you they're a result of god trying to reposition you to align you to a place of humility because you have been living a life of pride and so pride is a very grave and dangerous sin that we need to watch out for and so to kind of go into this and look at this deeper i want to look at the story of solomon because i think solomon's story it's quite interesting it aligns a lot with the story that probably a lot of us go through in terms of our walk with christ but it's sort of such a extreme level that it helps paint very clearly what happens when we let pride seep into our lives it is so crazy that we would think of the idea of pride when we look at the story of solomon because now this is very interesting uh, solomon's life is very detailed and had a lot of ups and downs solomon's life is is you know you read different books that solomon wrote and you can see grave contradictions because of where he was in his life but you also get to see the full picture of a life in humility and then a life in pride and a life returned um, to god solomon in the book of kings is recently become king under his after his father david and when he becomes king he's incredibly humble and becomes king he he is small and he recognizes that the only authority that he can look to and the only authority that has the power, the capacity to do the work that he has been um, entrusted with is God and therefore he cannot do the work by himself. You know, it's very evident that David taught him these values and David taught him about this walk of life because when David is about to um, leave the throne and is about to hand over to Solomon. You know, David wants to build the temple of God and God tells him he cannot do it because no one who has been to battle can go and become, can build this temple for him. And so that it has to be Solomon. And so David goes and talks to the to- the um, leaders of 12 different tribes of Israel and he tells them what God has told him and he says that even though they, um, Solomon, you know, is young and does not know and has no understanding or even the capacity to lead he says that it is not solomon's job but it's the job of god and therefore god is going to empower him and give him the capacity to do that which he has called him to do and therefore it was not even so much an ordaining of solomon as king as it was a reordaining of god as the one on the throne and solomon recognized that so solomon had that engraved in his very mentality in the way that he thought and the decisions that he made that when God appeared to Solomon the first time and God asked him what it is that he desires, Solomon's level of humility and recognition that he was not the one who had the capacity but only God, Solomon asked him for wisdom and said he recognized because it was only God who could lead God's people. That's number one. He recognized that they were not his people, but they were God's people. And he recognized that the only way that could lead, the only person that could lead God's people was God. And so he asked God for a God-like wisdom because he knew that it was only going to be wisdom from heaven that would give him the capacity to lead the people God had given him. Solomon, and God was incredibly pleased with Solomon because God realized that this was one who was not looking for his own self-gain. His focus was very much on the king of kings, was very much on God and he wasn't trying to and so God beyond giving him wisdom blessed him with riches 
and power because God said, this is a man after my heart in the same way that he would have said that about David. When little things begin to happen with Solomon that start to shift his place from a place of humility and, and it's something that happens in life and it's often why sometimes your greatest opposition is your success and not your challenges or your trials. Because sometimes what happens with success is your your vision shifts from the thing that gave you success to the success that you have and that's what started to happen with Solomon. Solomon's focus became so much on the power that he had and the things that he had and the capacity he had and the people under his authority that his eyes shifted off of God and it was a very subtle thing that started it. You know, God had given instructions to Solomon and to David and David also passed these same instructions to to Solomon that he was not to marry any of their um any of the wives of any of the people from the Ammonites the um Edomites the Sidonites and the Hittites and somehow Solomon finds a way in his mind to justify how it is just a little a little compromise that wasn't really going to affect anything but this compromise that he started with that seemed very small suddenly became a compromise that was huge you know he went from marrying pharaoh's daughter in order to bring peace so he justified it as an act that was covering the people of god but it was an act that was in complete disobedience and in alignment with god in and of itself but he began to justify it and what came from having one wife that was against the will of God led to Solomon's heart being turned away from God and Solomon having hundreds of wives who disaligned with the will of God. The Bible says in 1 Kings verse 11, um, chapter 11, and I'll read a relative chunk of it. It says, but King Solomon loved many foreign, wo- um, loved many foreign women as well as daughter, um, the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moab, Moabites, the Ammonites, the Edomites, the Sidonians, and the Hittites, from the nations of whom the Lord had said to the children of Israel, you shall not intermarry with them, not, um, nor they with you. Surely they will turn away your hearts after their gods. Solomon clung to these in love and he had 700 wives princesses and 300 concubines and his wives turned away his heart for it was so when solomon was old that his wives turned his heart after other gods and his heart was not loyal to the lord his god as was the heart of his father david and so all of a sudden pride begins to seep in why because he made small decisions that turned his heart away from god and put him at a position where he dethroned god and this was an incredibly crazy thing for solomon to be doing the solomon would change and start focusing because of um, the woman that he married the hearts of other gods and gods nonetheless that he had defeated in battle which showed him that his god was triumphant over their god yet he decided to follow their god because he was trying to do things from his own place. He was no longer doing things from the place of God. And his heart had turned away from God. And so later in the verse 14 of chapter 11, it says, Now the Lord raised up an adversary against Solomon, had at the Edomites, he was a descendant of the king of Edom. And so what God is saying here is that all of a sudden, because you know the Bible says the pride, God opposes the, pri- the proud. And so what happened is Solomon has turned his heart away from God and become prideful. You know, in earlier in the book of Kings, after Solomon builds the palace, he makes a speech. And in the space of about eight to ten verses, in this is in First Kings chapter 6, he says he talks continually about the 
palace that he built, the temple that he built. All of a sudden, his focus goes away from it being God's temple and the work being God's work to it being what he did. And pride has stepped in and now he makes compromising decisions and now he is in opposition to God. And so you might say all these adversaries and battles came for Solomon because Solomon was, you know, you'd think that it was the devil that de- did these things, but in reality it was God who sent the people against him. And so that's happened. that happens in verse 14 and also in verse 23, it says, and God raised another adversary against him, Rezon, the son of Eliada, who had fled from his Lord, Hadadezer, king of Zobah. And so God is raising different enemies against Solomon because Solomon is now taking a place of pride, a stance of pride that has put him in opposition with God. And Solomon has sat on the throne as if the things were his own doing. And now he's sitting in God's chair. And so because I say that God is a God of love and everything he does is from a place of love, right? you have to see that the purpose of Solomon, of God entering into opposition was Solomon was for the good of Solomon. What he was trying to do was to get Solomon to humble, because this Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And if you do not humble yourself, God will humble you for the sake of your own good, in that only a humble heart can receive the grace of God. And grace is something that we need to enter into the gates of heaven. And so God is putting himself in a position of opposition to Solomon so that Solomon would dethrone himself from that seat and let God have the seat on the throne of his life so that he can be guided in grace and in mercy. And the thing is that through all this, God keeps Solomon so that Solomon can learn the lesson. And it's very important. God is trying to rescue Solomon from something that is hurting him that he does not see. And I find it very interesting because Solomon wrote, he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes. He also wrote the book of Proverbs. You read the book of Proverbs, the book of Proverbs is incredibly positive, has a lot of wisdom and light to share. So they three books in the Bible considered the books of wisdom. And they are Proverbs, Job, and Ecclesiastes. But if you read the book of Ecclesiastes for a huge number of time, the the book seems incredibly negative. You know, the book of Proverbs often often tells you that if you do this, this will be your reward. If you do good, good things will happen. If you do bad, bad things will happen. But um, Solomon lives a life and his perspective becomes twisted because of the decisions that he made and all the wrongs that he did. And so the book of Ecclesiastes reads like a very negative book, like bad things happen to good people, good things happen to bad people. You don't really know how it's going to end up, so stop trying to be caught up in that um, definition of things. But really what Solomon was getting at, and if you read all of the book of Ecclesiastes, where he's pointing himself to, is that because he recognizes that he went the wayward way, sometimes you, good things are happening when you are out of alignment, but the things that you're looking at as good are things that are happening happening here on earth and they do not really ultimately define where you are ending up and you have to come to a revelation and recognition that you know where the bible talks about um counsel of joy as you go through your various trials and tribulations is because sometimes the things that seem challenging here on earth and seem like you're going through negative situations or circumstances are building you for a good and for the good results and the good place that god is taking you but sometimes if you look at earthly gain it looks like people are having positive results because i mean by the world's definition, Solomon had all things. He had multiple, multiple wives who, who listened to him, did what he wanted. He had authority, was king, he had power. But he was, at that entire time, he was running in opposition to God and he was not walking in favor. And so if you look at the book of Ecclesiastes chapter 2, it, it breaks down a couple of things that let us know where Solomon was and what his situation and his circumstance was. And I'm going to just read, I'm going to read a large chunk. 
From verse 4, it says, I made my works great. I built myself houses. I planted myself vineyards. I made myself gardens and orchards, and I planted all kinds of fruits and trees in them. I made myself water pools for which to water the growing trees of the grove. I acquired male and female servants and had servants born in my house. Yes, I had greater possessions of herds and flocks than all who were in Jerusalem before me. I also gathered for myself silver and gold and the special treasures of kings and of the provinces. I acquired male and female singers, the delights of the sons of men and musical instruments of all kinds. So I became great and excelled more than all that were before me in Jerusalem, and my wisdom remained with me. Whatever my eyes desired, I did not keep from them. I did not withhold my heart from any pleasure, for my heart rejoiced in all my labor. This was my reward from all my labor. Then I looked on all the works of my hands and had done, and on the labor in which I had toiled, and indeed all was vanity and grasping for the wind. There was no profit under the sun. See, Solomon has come to a recognition through all the trials and through all the things that he had done and through opposing and running away from God, God used the opposition that he put him in to realign his mind and his recognition to see that all the things he had blessed himself with, all the things that he had done, you see, he, when he goes on and says, and those were the rewards for my labor, there was no other reward. He had taken his reward here in the flesh and it was things that would come and go. It was things that did not last forever. He recognized that it was all vanity and what is vanity? Pride. And what comes with pride? Opposition of God and what comes with pride? There is no gift in it. There is no glory in it. And so he had to come to that recognition about the importance of humility. So, so often, I, one of the reasons I wanted to really talk about this at the very heart of it was we go through trials and a lot of the times we have we're blaming the devil but sometimes it is God that we have put ourselves in opposition to because of pride and so it's very important that we take a moment to check ourselves and to check where we have disaligned ourselves from God where we have run away from him where we have seated ourselves on the throne and unseated God from the throne that he he alone is worthy of and so we need to stop and have a look and ask ourselves that question ask ourselves what have I done? What compromises have I made? What places have I disobeyed God? What, what places have I opened myself up to sin? What places have I opened myself up to the opposition of God? Where have I let pride seep in my life? Where have I tried to be my own master? Where have I tried to direct my own ship and not lean on the authority and the, and the power and the grace and the wisdom of God? Where is it that I am leaning on my own strength? What is the place in which I have opened myself into? Opened the door to sin in my life. And I've let myself become an opposition of God. I pray, O oh Lord, that we open our eyes, that we might be able to see and that we might come to a place of true humility or come to a place of true service, come to a place where you alone are truly on the throne. And we recognize and we come to you in all things. We seek your face in all things and we try to do nothing by our own strength. In Jesus' name, I pray. Thank you and God bless.